From the studios of Teeing It Up, Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up Presents. Danny Flicka in his weekly spot as we begin week three of college football and week two, continue week two, of the National Football League season. Danny, welcome back to Teeing It Up. Good to be back. Yes, sir. Um, I have a question as it involves Penn State and Auburn, which is the NFL game. I'm sorry, the uh, college football game in primetime and where college game day is for ESPN uh, today. If Penn State wins, do they become a possible Big Ten representative in uh, the playoff? Or is this eyeing somebody else now to be this? Because we've seen both Clemson and Ohio State slip and, and have slip up. Sorry. So there's an opening here for somebody. Yeah, I think it's still tough for anybody but Ohio State to get through in the Big Ten. I think all roads still go through Columbus. Um, and I'm sure Penn State still has a couple of tough games left in the season. I don't have this schedule in front of me. Uh, but I believe they have a, a date with Ohio State. I think that's going to be in Ohio State. So Penn State has to run the table and, and make it to the Big Ten championship game. I still think that's a difficult spot for them. I think but what's going to end up happening is that, you know, the Big Ten will feast on each other. Ohio State still has the best team in the Big Ten. And then as these teams get better and better throughout the year and, and their rankings get higher and higher, eventually when Ohio State has the opportunity to play them, they're going to look better They're going to look better as they, as they continue to move forward. And, and I don't think Ohio State's loss to Oregon is going to be downplayed that much throughout the year as Oregon continues to get better as well. So I think Ohio State still has the lead position to Big Ten to come out of there and have a shot to play off. To your point, Penn State is at Iowa on October 9th and at Ohio State on October 30th. Yeah, so two big tough road games for them. Iowa's looking good, although you know they're a little bit deceiving with the way that they play. Um, I think it's tough for them. I think Iowa against Penn State will be a big game, but I think if Iowa were to go up against a team like Ohio State, they'd have their work cut out for them. I don't know if Iowa has the offensive explosiveness to, to keep up with a team like Ohio State, um, but Penn State going to Iowa is never easy, and obviously that road trip to Columbus is going to be tough, but if Penn State goes into Columbus undefeated and Ohio State still only has that one loss, that's, that will pretty much decide the Big Ten division that they're in. Um, and then that team will probably go to the Big Ten championship game. So a lot still up to be played for in the Big Ten, but I wouldn't put anyone but Ohio State right now as a favorite. I just don't feel comfortable enough you know, putting anybody above them just because they lost to a really good physical Oregon team. I think Ohio State's, you know, metrics are, are up there. Um, they just need to learn how to finish it and, and treat that defense a little bit. But then again, who knows, maybe their defense is what it is, and they're going to have struggle. They're going to have to outscore opponents all year, but we know that they have that ability to do so given their offense. What do you make of Oregon? Uh, they get the big upset. They get the win the Pac-12 has been looking for. They come into this week number four in the country. They're going to face Stony Brook tonight. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, Danny, I think they win this game um, against Stony Brook. Uh, what yeah, is... I think 
Yeah, I think Oregon's a good team. You know, they're, they're well-coached. Cristobal is, is one of the better coaches in the country that we don't hear about because he's on the West Coast. He recruits well. He has a physical team. Uh, their offensive line is good. Their defensive line is good. You know, David Thibodeau is going to be a big piece for them moving forward. You know, if he comes back, he's potential number one pick in the NFL draft next year. But they're, they have great skill players all over the field. They have a good defense. They're aggressive. You know, we usually don't think of Pac-12 defenses as being physical and in your face. They are that. Uh, the Pac-12 looks to be weak this year. Obviously, we had some issues with uh, USC already firing their coach. Washington was one of the, the trendy picks out there, and, and their offense just looks abysmal to start the year, and I don't think that's going to change much. The Pac-12 is out there for Oregon. Take, you know, they've got to make sure they don't stumble. Um, I don't know if they have UCLA or Arizona State on the schedule. Those would probably be their, their key slip-up moments. Uh, but Oregon is, is always, was always going to be potentially a team out of the Pac-12 that could make some noise. They've already done so. It's now up to them to make sure that they don't lose sight of what they have in front of them. If they run the table, they should be in that conversation to get into the, the college football playoff. How they match up with an SEC team or, you know, a Clemson team, if they make it out of, the, out of the ACC, it gets to be seen. But I watched that Oregon game last week and was thoroughly impressed with the way that they were able to, to play that game. You know, maybe it was a, their perfect game, but they, they did it. And they were, you know, they limited mistakes. They ran the ball down Ohio State's throat. They called the right plays when they needed to, and their defense made it stops when they had to. So I came away really impressed with Oregon, and I think they're a good team. They just have to see, we have to see if they're going to be able to continue doing that throughout the rest of the year. You know, week back 12, where maybe you lose sight of what you have in front of you. October 23rd at UCLA. That becomes the big game there. And then I, I would even look at October 2nd at Stanford. Um, you know, David Shaw teams sometimes can uh, cause a little bit of problem for their opponents, and that could be one of them as well. We're talking to Danny Flecka here on Teeing It Up. Alabama and Florida is a game some people have highlighted um, as uh, a interesting matchup, some even saying it's a potential stumbling block uh, or, or could cause Alabama some temporary problems. Um, I just can't see anybody stopping Bama until I see it with my own two eyes. Uh, is this game of any interest to you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Alabama traveling to the swamp, it's going to be a tough environment out there. Um, I don't know the last time Alabama and Florida played in the regular season, but it's a big game. And I think Alabama needs to come out of this with a couple of different things. Just, you know, can their young quarterback handle hostile environment? Uh, because that's going to be a big piece right here. And then on the Florida side, it does, do you have the team that, you know, maybe you can't compete against Alabama right now, but as the season progresses, can you challenge for that SEC East uh, title? Because we know George is going to be there. I don't really see anybody else in the East causing any other issues for, for either of those two teams between Florida and Georgia. So if you're Florida, can you come out of this game See progress by your offense. I know that they've had some uh, issues at quarterback. They don't know which one to possibly play uh, between Emory Jones and Richardson. Um, you want to see if your team can take that next step because they are replacing a lot of pieces from last year's team that played Alabama in the SEC championship game. So 
if you're Alabama, you want to make sure that one, you know, your your offense is able to handle that environment. You know, can Bill O'Brien call plays under adversity? Can your defense handle it as well? You know, I, I do imagine that uh, Florida, the first quarter or so, are going to come out there and be aggressive because they want to make sure that they can keep Alabama on their toes. Longevity-wise in that game, you know, Alabama has a talent to, to run away with it, but. I expect a close game going into halftime. I expect a lot of points in this game as well. Um, the only way for teams to keep up with Alabama is to score points. Um, I, I don't see how you can limit them to under 27 or so points in a game. So you've got to be able to put up 35 to 40 points um, in, in order to be able to, to stay within that game. So Florida's got to be aggressive. But I do think Alabama ends up winning this game probably between you know 10 and 14 points. Um, what else interests you, uh, college-wise? Um, you know, we can dive into Furman and NC State. Does that game pique your interest? Uh, not really, but there are a couple of games I think that that will be highlighted by some betting. You know, people out there. I know the twelve o'clock window. We have the you know Cincinnati Indiana game, a Power Five team is a home dog against a non-Power Five team. This is the start of a Cincinnati showcase. Can they handle the environment they're going into? Can they beat a team that's ranked inside the top 25? You know, I mean, they're not ranked right now, but they were a, a preseason top 25 team. But if Cincinnati loses this game, all conversations are off for them in the playoffs. And that Notre Dame game all of a sudden seems to be a lot less uh, intriguing than it was when the season started. So. I expect Cincinnati to come out there, be aggressive, be physical. They understand, I think, too, that this is this is their shot. If they don't win this game, their, their season, you know, for all intents and purposes, is over. They're not going to be competing for a New Year's Six Bowl after this if they lose. Um, so they got to make sure they come out there and, and win this game. And I do expect them to do so. I, I like Cincinnati. And then another game under the radar, but, but I think, that's going to have a lot of betting eyes on it is Michigan State, Miami. Um, Miami looked, I think, pretty bad so far this year. They, they got blown up by Alabama, had a close game against App State last week. Michigan State might be better than a lot of people thought it was. Uh, they're going into the point, seven point dog. Um, I like Michigan State in that game to cover. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't know if Miami has the creativity and offense to really scare a lot of teams. Um, so I, I'm taking Michigan State in that game, but I think that might be one of the better games this week as well. Danny Fleck with us here on Teeing It Up. As we transition to the National Football League, you told me something off air that stunned me. Massachusetts banned happy hour? What? Yeah, it's been banned for, it's been banned for like 40 years. Is this like some antiquated rule that got, you know, made in some specific time way back when? It just hasn't been changed? No, it's been banned for like 40 years. I think there was an accident with a, a drunk driver, you know, that, that occurred during a happy hour special. They over they consumed. They, they unfortunately killed somebody. Then they banned any drink specials uh, for happy hour. So... It's been like this for a number of years. Somebody who lives in Boston, does it seem like there's an uproar over wanting this change and happy hour reinstated? I mean, it'd be nice to have it. Uh, every other state has it. And I think if people are going back into the office, it'd be a good 
a good way to boom the economy and get things back into business and, and see some positive results that way. Um, but working from home, I don't know what the motivation might be for, but yeah, it's been something that has been in place for a long time. One other thing, you've, you know, we see a lot of, uh, in, in, in all sports, hamstring issues. You recently tweaked your hamstring. Um, what, when, when you see guys who get removed from games or remove themselves for minor hamstring tweaks, what does that feel like to the average person who's going through a hamstring issue? Is that, is that really precautionary or is there more to that story for what can be a nagging injury and they just don't want to say it publicly? Yeah, well, anytime you have a soft tissue injury, it's about your limitations. You know, you want to be able to go 100%. And if you don't feel like you're going 100%, then you're more prone to injury in general. So with a hamstring, I mean, everything that you do from a walking perspective to a running perspective dries off your hamstring. And the same could be said for, like, your quad or your calf, anything like that. Anytime you feel that you're a little bit off, you know, you're not going to be as explosive. You're not going to be able to do the things you want to do. You're not going to get the full speed can't change direction and you know you see those pictures all the time with like a person's running they they pull up they immediately put their hand to the back of their leg it's almost like you know you feel like a like a curtain pull up you know like with those old school curtains that roll up um you know you kind of feel like that in your muscle and with a hamstring pull you know, the more severe it is, the longer it is for you to come back without, you know, that's easy to be said. Um, so with any time, anytime you have that, you want to make sure that if you feel a slight, a slight twinge that you don't exacerbate it because the more severe the strain, the longer you're going to be out and the less likely you are even when you come back to be 100% because I, I feel like with a hamstring injury, depending on the severity of it, if it's really severe, you're looking at almost two months of recovery time and you know for professional athletes especially in football depending on your position the hamstring injury like that can ruin your season so if it's precautionary you know if it were me i always err on the side of caution because then you're you're looking at you know missing the rest of the season if you're not able to take care of that properly Danny Flicka here with us on Teeing It Up. You're a Giants fan. They fell to 0-2 um, on Thursday night. I'll, I'll just give you an open forum here. Uh, anything you want to say about that game or this team? Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it a little bit yesterday. Um, I, look, I mean, anybody that watched that game from beginning to end, I might be biased. I thought the Giants were the better team. You know, they dictated tempo in the second half. They made some explosive plays. They had some, you know, unfortunate penalties go against them. They had a holding call on Daniel Jones' run for the touchdown. I thought was sticky tack. Uh, it didn't look like the defender made any any movement to try to get back into the play. Um, I, again, I I thought that the crew itself had a bad game on both sides, uh, not making you know the correct calls or calling some sticky tack stuff. You know, you could look at, from the Washington perspective, they had a bad, you know, uh, roughing the passer against Chase Young that was called against them. That that holding call I just mentioned. Um, you know, and then you go to the field goal attempt. I looked at it. I saw it multiple times in the replay angle. 
it looked like to me that Dexter Lawrence jumped when the ball was snapped. <laughs> Again, I might be biased. I I don't like that the game was decided on a penalty of that nature that was so minor, so so close. I feel like you got to keep the flag in your pocket there. And I would say that for any game, you don't want to be able to, to dictate the game that way. And unfortunately it was. Uh, I haven't seen anything sent out by the NFL. Florio put out a report yesterday that, you know, people called the league office and they said it was the correct call, but no one's putting their name to it and they're not releasing, you know, anything on that end, which is even worse for the NFL. Um, but it is what it is. You know, if you're the Giants, you got to look at yourself and say, who are we as a team? You know, Judge has prided himself on uh, being a disciplined football team, and there are a lot of undisciplined penalties in that game for that team. And you're a special teams guy, and you let that happen. You know, it is what it is at the end of the day. You know, they made some big plays. Bradbury's interception could have sealed the game for them. They were too conservative, I thought, when they got that ball back, going three straight runs, not getting it under, under the two-minute warning. They were more concerned about Washington burning their timeouts, and they screwed themselves at the end. They should have been a little bit more aggressive, especially on first down there. They should have tried to get at least, you know, six or seven yards on first down rather than just try to run it up the middle, and, and at the end of the day, it cost them. Uh, Danny Fleco with us here on Teeing It Up. Uh, let me just quickly uh, circle back to the banning of happy hour in Massachusetts. This is uh, because of a drunk driving epidemic in 1984 nationwide. Um, and uh, there, it, 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 the push to fix it has come from the fact that the Ubers and Lyfts of the world are now there to help people um, who, are, uh, who are under the influence from not driving. Obviously, we condemn all forms of drunk driving on this show. I just wanted to circle back and, and finish that story. I, I, I meant to finish that story and never did. Um, so that's the backstory as to why this is. Times have changed, and there are some in Massachusetts, whether it's business owners or some legislators who believe that with the changes in society since 1984, it is time to bring back happy hour. I think that uh, gets us... I think that finishes that story up. Right, Danny? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, back to football. Sorry. Very abrupt transition. Um, one of the interesting things that I took from, from week one um, was the play of the Packers and just getting absolutely blown out. Clearly, this quarterback race and the doubting of Jameis Winston motivated him and trying to win one for the displaced Saints. Uh, I, I did not see that coming. <clears throat> I did not see any of that. Now the Packers have a Monday night football game against Detroit. And I think some teams are going to look at this and be like, uh, wow, okay, we can actually try to throw our best at them and maybe this team is vulnerable. As you look at this slate of games, and I don't have the odds in front of me right now. You probably know what the Monday night um, uh, betting odds currently are. Um, for for my money, I would be intrigued uh, to, because I, I wonder 
we don't know what Aaron Rodgers' skill level is right now. And clearly that team was not ready to play in week one. And they're going to have to come ready to play in week two because every single opponent's going to realize they can get an easy victory here if they don't. Yeah, I'm trying not to overreact to the Green Bay Packers game. I, it reminds me a little bit of that game they had against Tampa Bay last year. Um, you know, I, I think the Packers will go. You mentioned like Aaron Rodgers' skill level. I don't think his skill level is gone. I think it's his motivation, his engagement. You know, is he motivated to get out of there? Um, and knowing that it doesn't matter what he puts on film, that he can rest on his laurels and say, you know, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I can get what I can play whenever I want to play. But I think the more concerning part is, you know, is he causing the rift in a locker room that is, on a, you know, not able to get back, you know? I just don't know if the Packers have that that locker room that could rise above this and and not go the way that Aaron Rodgers is going. I think he just controls too much of what they do on a week-to-week basis. Again, not trying to overreact. They have a great uh, spot to come back against Detroit at home. Detroit's not very good. Despite what they might throw at them, they're not going to be able to beat them if Aaron Rodgers even plays a B-level type of game. So I think Green Bay gets back on gets back on the right side here, but it, it leaves a lot to question. You know, can they get to where they want to get to if Aaron Rodgers is playing himself at you know an eighty five percent or you know eighty percent level? And, and my my answer to that is probably no. I, I just don't think they're good enough defensively to to make up for that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think a lot of it rides on his engagement. Is he fully engaged? They don't look so in week one. He looks, he physically looks off. <laughs> if you can catch my drift on that. Yeah. He looks old. His hairstyle is greasy and like someone that's unkept. He's, his press conference after the game, too, was, was weird. I don't know. Again, maybe it was just one week thing, but if I'm just looking at him, his body language, the way he looks, the way he talks, he just seems like a guy that's just like screw it like who cares like I'm gonna get what I want at the end of this year regardless of what I do this year so I'll just play it out and if you think you're the best quarterback that's ever played if you think you're you deserve a lot more you think you'd have a different type of approach to it but I don't know he looks weird I, I think that's really what I take out of it for right now yeah, that's what it was that press conference that sparked the interest in this question because that it was just weird. I there's a lot going through his mind right now. There's definitely a lot going through his mind. That 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 line is eleven and a half um, right now. A line that is only three and a half is Kansas City, Baltimore. This is a Ravens squad that's lost basically every court, uh, every running back they put in that building. Um, you know, to a season-ending injury, unfortunately. And one of the ways to beat Kansas City is to keep Kansas City's offense off the field. Hard to do that when you're trying to put in uh, a new running back every week. This is a primetime Sunday night football game under a lot of spotlights. Um, where's your head on, on not only this game, but what the ceiling for Baltimore is and and is there a fantasy guy out there that you think can actually stick and not get hurt in Baltimore? 
Yeah, I mean, Kansas City seems to understand how to play Baltimore. I think it's just a bad matchup. It's the one team that they don't match up well against, and I think Baltimore would rather this game be later in the year than this early. Uh, I still think they're trying to figure out who they are offensively. We saw them play, I thought, a decent game on Monday night, but they were unable to close it out. Um, And a lot of that, I think, had to do with the Raiders just being emotionally charged for that game. But Kansas City offensively does everything well enough that counters what Baltimore is good at. You know, Kansas City doesn't have to run the ball against them. They can spread them out. They have the speed. They have the tight end that can work the middle of the field. Mahomes can extend plays. Um, And I think that's where Baltimore ultimately loses the game. I I just don't think when Kansas City has the lead that Baltimore has the style of offense that's going to be able to to keep up. And I think it always comes back to Lamar Jackson. You know, can he sit back in the pocket and throw the ball 25 to 30 times a game? And not only is he throwing it that many times, is he being accurate? Is he making the right reads? Is he putting the ball where he needs to put it? And I just don't think he's there. And I don't know if he's ever going to be that type of guy. And I think he says, you know, he's keeping, you know, he's working on it and everything else along those lines. But, you know, we saw a couple of times on Monday night he stood back there in the pocket and he made some bad throws or he got sacked and, he, you know, he had a costly fumble, you know, that allowed the Raiders to get back into that game. So I just don't think Baltimore has the team that matches up with Kansas City, to be honest with you. And, you're not going to beat Kansas City, I think, even too, by like keeping the ball away from them. You're going to beat them by scoring points and being efficient. And I don't think Baltimore has that right now. So until they get there, you know, they're going to be able, they're not going to be able to uh, to play with them. Um, it's just a bad matchup for them. I just don't think that they have, they, you know, it's probably the one team in the NFL that Baltimore looks at and is like, what can we do here to be better? And I just don't think they have the pieces right now. Uh, Daniel Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. All right, your gambling likes and fantasy likes this week in the National Football League. So I liked the Giants the other day. I was able to cash in on that. Um, that game is gone, though. So, you know, a couple games this week, I think, that are intriguing. Philadelphia, plus three and a half against San Francisco. Um, again, trying not to overreact. But I liked what Philadelphia looked like on Sunday. I know Atlanta's bad. But I think with Jalen Hurts and that type of offense with the addition of Devontae Smith, that they have the pieces there, I think, to give San Francisco some fit. They have a good offensive line, so they can use that to their advantage. San Francisco, you know, looked really, really good against Detroit. They blew that lead, so be it. But I think Philadelphia presents some different challenges than Detroit does. They have a good defensive line, so San Francisco – has to make sure that they keep things, you know, buttoned up there. But that three and a half, that extra half a point makes me lean towards Philadelphia. I think the Miami-Buffalo game is also intriguing. Buffalo coming off a loss, Miami coming off a win. Buffalo had control of that game. They let it slip in the second half after that, that special teams blunder that allowed the, the block punt to go in for a touchdown. Big divisional games with, a, you know, this early in the season, Teams are still pretty healthy. Miami has some good corners that can maybe give them some issues. I expect a close game down there. I'm leading Miami in that game. So, you know, that's another game I think I'm going to gonna be taking tomorrow. Um, and then you're looking at, I think, the Rams-Indy. You know, the Rams look awesome 
on on Sunday night with that revamped offense and the the Colts did not. You know, is Carson Wentz the answer for them? I think that spreads out like minus four. I still think that the Rams are just better offensively um, that, than Indy is right now. I know it's tough to, to back a road favorite this early in the season with still a lot left to be figured out, but I think the Rams are just explosive enough, and with Indy out there top corner, I, I do expect the Rams to be able to throw the ball a little bit, so um, you know, I, I think I'm leaning the Rams as well. Three and a half point line on the road. How much of the Rams' play on Sunday night was due to Chicago being the opponent? Well, I think I think they, they called a good game. I saw about a, a half of that game. I, I just think the Rams called a good game. Um, Chicago's a mess. They, you know, as long as they have Andy Dalton there, they'll never realize their full potential, I think, offensively. But even so, I just think the Rams offensively now are going to be a little bit difficult to game plan against. You know, Stafford has the arm. They're not going to be afraid to take deep shots. They can roll out three, four wide receivers there between Woods, Cup, Jackson, and Jefferson. Um, their running game definitely has to get there, I think, to supplement what they want to do offensively. But I don't know. It's just tough for me to back um, any team going against them right now just because they still have, I think, the better roster in a majority of the games they're going to be up against. You know, the teams that are going to give them problems are probably going to be teams like San Francisco and Seattle, which are teams in their own division that, that have explosiveness on, on the offensive side as well as on the defensive side. So in this matchup, you know, Indy long-term might be a good team, but I just think they're a little depleted right now. Wentz missed a lot of training camp. They need to figure out what he can do. So until they get that situated, it's tough for me to back them. And finally, fantasy guys you like this week. Yeah, yeah, John Hurts I mentioned earlier. I think he's a good player this week against San Francisco. Debo Samuel, um, you know, in San Francisco as well. Until we understand what Ayuk is going to be in that on that team, I, I'd fire up, you know, Debo as a good play. Um, I had him on one of my teams last week on the bench, and I wish I had started him. I didn't know about the, the IU situation, so, you know, he's a good play there. And I think, like, a sleeper pick, you know, if you're looking at trying to understand a little bit more about what's happening, I think Jared Cook at the tight end position for the Chargers this week. Um, I understand that they have Keenan Allen off Eckler, that, you know, the tight end position at times could be a little bit of a dart throw, but I think Dallas is depleted on the defensive line. I think ultimately, you know, the Chargers want to throw the ball at least, you know, 30 to 35 times a game. We saw what Gronk did against them, against Dallas last week. There could be a good opportunity for Jared Cook to have, you know, between four to five catches, 50, 60 yards, potentially a touchdown, um, just given, you know, the way that, you know, the Chargers line up and, and they want to play. So that's one of my, my sleeper picks this week, you know, at the tight end position, which is really, really top heavy. If you don't have Kittle, Waller, uh, Mark Andrews, or Kelsey, you know, you're, you're definitely probably looking for the right matchup there, and I think Cook provides that this week. Danny Flecka, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. No problem, man. Have a good rest of the day. You got it. Same to everybody else out there, and we'll see you next time on Teeing It Up.